Jenna Brocious, welcome to the Full Out Podcast. I'm so excited you're here. I am like, as soon as we turn on the Zoom, I'm like, oh, this is going to be fun. Like, I feel like we can, I can feel like we're going to drop into the vortex and we're going to get some really great stuff today. So thanks for being here. Welcome to the Full Out Podcast. I'm, I'm so excited you're here. Thank you. I had goosebumps when we started talking. So I agree that it's going to be a very fun conversation. All right. So can we go right into the goosebumps? Like, can we dive right in? Normally, I, I start with a question about living full out, but let's talk about goosebumps. For me, that is one of those signs from universe, God, source, spirit that's like, ooh, you're on the right track, or this is a yes, or like, pay attention to this. And I'm curious for you if, if it's similar. It, for me, it is the truth vibrating through me. Ooh, the truth vibrating through you. I love that. Okay. Is that something that you've always had or is was that something that you developed over time? I've definitely developed it over time. I was unaware of how much it was involved in my life until I became aware. And then I look back and I'm like, oh, that happened. I should have like, funny story. I had this horrible boyfriend. I spent all the last month, all the money I had in my bank account on a stupid Christmas gift for this guy. And you know how bad my angels didn't want me to buy it? They made my car battery die. Like they did not want me to go to the store. They did not want me to buy this jacket. So now I look back and I laugh at those moments. But at the time, I was just pissed that I couldn't go to the store. Oh, my God. I totally have so many of those moments. Like intuitively, I knew something was off, but I didn't know how to interpret it. And I love that perspective. But before we get into all of that, I really want to hear about your story because you do have a wild story. And I think that we as women can often feel alone in the shit that we're going through. And so I love hearing people's pain to purpose stories or what that discovery was, especially for the listener who might be going through something right now and is looking for that little bit of hope, that little bit of reassurance that she will figure shit out and things will get easier. So can you share where were you before? What was your life like? And how did you become this vibrant, beautiful being that you are today? You're so sweet. So I was born and raised in the Northwest, still a mountain tree girl to this day. Um, but I was raised by a single mother who was a narcissist, alcoholic, and also loved sex and drugs and rock and roll. And so my mom lost custody of my two other siblings because I didn't have a dad on my side to really fight for me. So I was kind of the one left behind. And, you know, I, I hung out with the Hells Angels for two years and I had quite an interesting childhood that I do not want to repeat for myself or my child. So I have learned to grow out of that. But, you know, I was 19. I moved away from home, $2,000 in my pocket, and I grinded and I hustled for years just to, like, survive. But at the end of the day, I'm 38 now, and I I found my way. I got out of it. I made good decisions. I married a good man. And I really think it was I, I don't like using the word hard work, but my hard work and trusting my gut and making good decisions is really where I've gotten today. And I feel very blessed to be able to change that generational trauma that I was raised with. Yeah. Okay. Can we go deeper into that into that tough stuff? Because that's a whole lot of stuff. Being left alone, having your two other siblings basically be like removed from your life, having mom that was experiencing whatever she was working through and really maybe in a space where she couldn't be the mom that maybe you had hoped for. And I know that a lot of people will resonate with that, having parent figures that didn't show up in a way that were we would have hoped and liked. And so I'm curious, did you know from a young age 
that there was something more for you? Or was that something that you had to discover later on? Oh, no. From a very young age, I knew what was going on around me was not okay. Like, and I would go to my friends' homes and I would see their parents interact. And obviously, I would under, I saw that side of it. But I always knew that I did not want this for myself when I was watching everything unfold in front of me. Yeah. And, and I mean, I hear Hell's Angels and I'm like, I don't know anything about that, but I do know Sons of Anarchy. And so I'm just like, that's what I'm envisioning. And it's, I'm sure that's like a super glamorized Hollywood version of it. But what was that like for you as a young person being in that environment? You know, what's so wild is they were actually very kind and nice to me. So I never had like a truly bad experience within it, but I definitely had some like wild times, like the clubhouse was under surveillance. So the women and the children would go through the front of the clubhouse and all the bikers and their bikes would go in the back because they had like a secret storeroom because that's how they were identified was by their bikes, by their bikes. And so the Hells Angels would always tell us to like wave and smile at the cops across the street and like blow them kisses. And as a 10 year old, I'm like, why are they across the street? What are we doing here? What's going on? My mom be like, oh, step over those panties in the alleyway. Those aren't ours. And I'm like, as an adult, I would never put my son in that experience. Like, leave me at home. Why are you taking me to the Hells Angels clubhouse, mother? Like, yeah, that is that is wild. So how do you how do you go from that to being a spiritual intuitive guide to being the founder of your company, the creator of your positive intention prayer cards? Like, I want to get to all of that. But how do you go from point A? I'm not even going to say point A to point B, but like point A to point F. Like, how? what is that journey like? What was it like? I don't know. Okay. How did I get from A to F? That's a really, you know, I, the big, the biggest action that I took that changed the trajectory of my life is I moved away from my mother. I created a major distance between the two of us. She was in Washington state. I moved to Arizona and I just could not allow her to control my life in one way or another any longer. I had to take control for myself. And I think really creating that distance between us gave me the opportunity to truly flourish in my own self. Yeah. And so, you know, it's interesting because I, I actually have some clients now, like I do a lot of inner child healing and and releasing and cutting words of the relationships between parents that maybe weren't as healthy as we would have liked. And I know that a lot of people experience that moment of realizing that their parents are human. And they like come off of this pedestal and that can be really, really challenging for people. What what was that like for you? And, and how did that shift your relationship with your mom? Do you have a relationship with her now? Did you heal that? Was that an internal job? Because I think a lot of people, they know that there's something more for them, but they are so committed, even if it's subconsciously, to staying connected to family, staying connected to lineage, ancestral scarcity, all of those things that they don't take the action. So it takes so much guts and courage. And I'm curious what that experience was like for you. So the thing that really I like two parts to that answer or that question, I'm sorry. So the thing that pushed me over the edge to move away was my freshman year of college. I was going to community college at home and The night before my first finals, my mom called me at two in the morning to bail her out of jail because she just beat the shit out of her ex-husband's girlfriend. And she's calling me the night before. I have my biggest test of like really my like college career at this point. And I hate taking tests. 
And I was like, you know what? If you're so selfish to be in jail, to call, wake me up, to call me, to come bail you out. I was like, no, I'm done with this. And I was like, you obviously don't care about me enough to allow me to be successful. And so that was the huge catalyst and eye opener for me that changed the trajectory of me moving and getting out of my small town. But the healing part to that all was not until actually I got pregnant and I was expecting my first child and I expected my mom to show up for me for the first time ever. And I thought she would call and check on me and how is the baby and how are you? And she didn't do it. And I was disappointed all over again. And it was just heartbreaking for me. And my husband said to me, he goes, you can't hold somebody to an expectation they never agreed to. And I was like, my brain exploded because my mom never agreed to be a mother. My mother just happened to be in a situation where she had to have me. And so how can I expect her to be a good grandmother if I couldn't even expect her to be a good mother? And then I went down the trail of, well, she was raised by a single mother who it was not a good experience for her either. And so I started to see that like I had compassion and understanding for her after becoming a mother and realizing that she probably did the best that she could have done. But that also doesn't mean that I have to let her in anymore. And so we actually don't have much of a relationship at this point. We talk a couple of times a year because I have come out and started talking about my story. My siblings actually don't talk to me anymore. And it's become a big point of contention in our family. And so because it's not a two-way street and they don't love me back, I choose to love them from afar. And that's just how we work these days. Mm, okay, this is like opening up the boundary conversation. And I'm I'm really excited to dive in because I hear you standing for yourself and saying, like, I'm not available to be in situations where I'm not treated the way that I want to be. So what was that like for you? Because I know a lot of times, at least with my clients, what I experience is when we first start to put up boundaries, we do this like crazy, like ninja forceful, this is my boundary and do not cross it. And like, there's this really hard energy, like protective energy around it. But then once we become more well-versed in setting boundaries, it, it becomes a more fluid and soft experience. And so what was that like for you to create boundaries, to set boundaries? Well, creating boundaries has been an interesting one for me because I feel like I've been having to create boundaries since I was little um, just to keep my own self safe. So boundaries I I have done since I was a young age, but as an adult, it has gotten more interesting and definitely different. I have um, boundaries have gotten much easier for me. I think it's an adult because I also know what I want out of life and I also know what what I deserve, what what respect is owed to me. You know what I mean? And so if it's not a gift, if it's not a two-way street and you don't respect me or you aren't giving as much as I'm giving, I will just gracefully bow out quietly. And then I just don't really allow you back in and not in a mean way, but I just got into the place where I'm very protective of my space and my time. And Again, if it's if you're not contributing, neither am I. And so I just learned that none of my family could contribute the way I wanted them to and the way I deserved it to be. And so I just bowed out gracefully. But on the other side, I have a mother-in-law who loves to push my boundaries. And her, it's a difficult conversation because I have to be a little bit more tippy-toe with her. But I think that for my husband and my son, it is very important to show up and be strong about those boundaries because it's also kind of teaching them at the same time. Yeah, a thousand percent. 
Yeah, 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 yeah. So how is that journey into motherhood? I know that you said that it was really healing for you to go into that next level of healing and releasing mom and and setting those boundaries. But I'm curious now from where you were, you know, however many years ago to where you are now, how has motherhood shifted how you show up in the world and how you show up for yourself? I mean, talk about a hard question here. So my son is seven. And and I think what I have learned from motherhood is I'm actually healing my own childhood wounds through showing up and being a loving mother for him and really just being that bigger, better person that I never had has been kind of fun to show myself it's possible and that to show him that I can show up and be like a great mother as well. So it's like a two-way street here because we're both healing each other in a way, which I love. That's so sweet. That's so sweet. So when you were talking about boundaries, what I also hear in that is that like self-honoring and listening to yourself. And I know before we started recording, we also talked a little bit about listening more through like the lens of meditation and law of attraction. And so can you talk to us about your experience with law of attraction and what was that opening for you to dive into that world so we can get into some of the magic and the intuitive spiritual stuff that I'm super pumped to talk about. <laughs> yeah, the law of attraction actually has just come up over the last couple of years for me. But I really realized when I put my energy towards a positive thought and a positive outcome, I actually got it. And so it's just been these last few years of me kind of mastering my thoughts, where I allow them to go. And then how do I create that really fucking cool experience that I'm wanting for myself? And so it's just really sitting and praying and meditating and listening is really led me to this really cool place, as you know, of just living in this like joyful, fun world that I choose to see in my own way. Yeah. And so how is that different from when you were younger? I mean, it was definitely more of a scarcity, fearful mindset was what was going on in our house at all times because we just didn't know when the the next big emotional explosion was going to happen or, you know, the this the pure chaos I lived in. Um, so the positive love, light, funness was never in my childhood whatsoever. So it's been fun as an adult to actually allow my son to see the funness too, because I wasn't allowed to see like the fun, light, love that can exist when you choose to look at it that way. Yeah. What what like sparks the fun for you? Because I know a lot of women who grow up in that type of situation have this like idea of control equals safety. So control, I'm like buttoned up. I'm not having fun. I'm on my schedule. Things are done the way that I want them to be done. And one of the first things to either disappear or be removed or just not be present at all is the fun. And I'm such a proponent of fun and calling that energy into your life. And so what sparks fun for you? And number one, what sparks fun for you? But then also, when did you start experimenting with that? Like, when did you realize that this is one of the keys to you having the life that you have? So I've always been kind of like a silly goofball at the at like deep down inside me. I've always kind of been that like silly girl. And I don't care if I make an idiot out of myself. Like it's all in fun. So if you think I'm stupid or embarrassing, I don't really care. But I started doing Reiki with a girl about a year and a half ago. And being playful kept coming up in my session every time. Be playful, be playful, be playful. And finally, like my son started pranking me with like little silly things around the house. 
And so I went on this girl's trip and I went and bought a fake rat and some fake poop. And I went on this girl's trip and I put things like in different places all over the house, just waiting to hear somebody like scream or yell or like giggle. And so for me, it's just I like to prank people. I don't know why, but I just love making people laugh. I think laughter is such like an amazing medicine that we don't use enough. And so if I can make anybody laugh, I feel like I have one at the end of the day. <laughs> That's so good. So what do you say to the woman who's like, Jenna, I hear you. I hear that you're all about fun and pranks and law of attraction, but how do I get there? Like if I am a buttoned up person and I love the idea of having fun and I feel like really silly, but deep, deep down, maybe there's 1% of me that feels that. How do I bring it out? So one of the things that I love to do is go to comedy shows. I love to laugh. And I think that's like the easiest entry point into maybe starting to create more fun in your life is go to a comedy show or go on Netflix and watch a comedy um, skit. But I just think igniting that laughter inside of you will kind of just start to fuel the flames of like other things that might come from it. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's in those moments where we are actually not in our heads, but we're in our bodies and we're laughing that we get the downloads, we get the insight that we really connect with our divine wisdom. I I feel like that's why we get so many great ideas as women when we're like taking a shower, because we actually have no noise outside of us. And it's just like, that's that drop in that download. Or I, I talk about doing sacred silent drives where it's like you're in the car, you turn off all music and it is your quiet download time. But I feel like laughter is almost the opposite. Like it's pulling it up and out so that you can be out of your head and in a vibration that is going to call more of that in. And and here's the one thing. And here's the one thing that I, I think is so good is that talking about fun, talking about going to a comedy show, talking about making things lighter. Sometimes when we're talking about spirituality and life coaching and improving our lives, it can get really heavy. And what I'm hearing from you today is just bringing this lightness in and it really is calling forth like the both and of I can be a spiritual, you know, beautiful being, but also I can have some fun. I can like prank my son. I can be all of these different facets of me. And I'm curious for you if you had any trouble with that, with being all facets of you. You know, in the beginning with my spirituality, it was a very serious thing. And it was like a very, it had like almost a hard shell on it for some reason. And I think the more that I've grown through my spirituality, I've realized that the fun and the laughter is where you, like you said, like you amplify all of the greatness that is possible within you. So I think it's been a learned thing that I've had to overcome. But who wants to be serious and controlling? Like that sounds horrible. So I just rather have the fun, lighter side and enjoy life because what else are we here to do other than to like enjoy and learn and grow and experience? Yeah. Yeah. So for someone who is like, okay, I've got the, I've got the fun on lock. Like I think I'm good with that. And I'm, I'm working to improve my life. I'm working to step into my next level, but I'm really curious about spirituality. Where do you suggest they step in? What's their first, first foot in the door? How do they start tapping into that and opening that up? Well, okay, so two things to that. I think listening to your gut instinct is the biggest intuition, spiritual thing that you can possibly do. 
I think your gut will tell you everything at all times. My husband, who is the president of a company, will come to me and ask a question and I'll be like, what does your gut tell you? Yes or no? You know? And so that's like the biggest place I think that anybody should start is listening to our own bodies. But second of all, my journey really began when I decided to take six months off of work and sit on my office floor every day after I took my son to school and I would pray for an hour or whatever it was and I'd journal and then I would sit there and I would meditate and I would just listen. Some days there was nothing and some days God would pour through me like I've never had happened before. And so I think when we just allow ourselves to slow down, take that silent minute like you were talking about in the car and actually allow yourself to listen is when I've learned the most out of life. That was good. That was good. So why do you think it's so hard for women to listen? Like, why Why do we not listen? Why do we second guess ourselves? Well, I think we don't listen because we don't allow ourselves the time to actually listen because sometimes we don't want to hear the answer is the biggest one, I think, personally. But I think we just get so wrapped up in our mundane, everyday grind, hustle, you know, whatever it might be, that we just don't know how important it is until you get it. And then once you get it, you're like, oh, I'm never letting that go again. Because I know that that is like my aligned special place I can go within and I find myself and I can adjust my mood or anything once I'm in that place. And I just like, I feel happy and zen again. I don't know how else to describe it. It's like I'm in my little pink bubble and I get to like live my happy life again once I go in. <laughs> I totally. And, and it, it's, it's interesting because in different seasons of my life, I have even more protection around my divine morning time like my morning rituals have become so non-negotiable and I remember for years hearing people being like your morning routine is non-negotiable I'm like yeah but you don't get my life you don't understand how busy I am or you don't understand I work early I used to teach like 6 a.m fitness classes and I'd be like like I just don't understand how this works for people and I I was doing this like morning routine out of a should like I should do this because that's what all of these people are telling me to do but it was interesting because once I started using that as a guide, but not fully saying, okay, first I got to meditate, then I'm going to journal, then I'm going to say my affirmations. And it became this giant to-do list. Once I let that go and I started asking myself and listening for what my body needed, it started to really shift my relationship with this sacred time. And now it is truly something that I like guard with my life. Like I I have Saturdays or like my longer days, I can actually do it. Some days it's literally five minutes, but I really want to, I just want to like nail it home for the listener that if you are confused and be like, yeah, I don't understand why you guys keep talking about these morning routines and this time for yourself. There comes a point, like if you just trust, there comes a point when it all of a sudden locks in, when you can release a, a little bit of control. Here we are again, release a little bit of control and allow and trust yourself for what you need in that moment, whether it's prayer, like you said, or if it's that meditation or journaling or, or moving your body there's a shift. Like, I don't know if you ever experienced that where there was a shift all of a sudden. It was like, oh no, I need this. And it fills me up and it plugs me in versus the like, okay, I have to do that. Did you experience that? Well, my husband will even, he can even tell like by my own like attitude, if I haven't gotten enough, like alone time for myself to process whatever's going on, he'll be like, Ooh, have you not? And I'll be like, especially during summer, because I'm like on mom mode all the time. I don't get my normal thing down. But I will say being a mom has made it more difficult and our schedule is always changing. This is what I will say. I do not have control always on when I will get my alone time. 
But when I do get my alone time, I make it very sacred to myself. And I will go outside and I will sit in my chair. And if it's for 10 minutes, five minutes, an hour, I give myself that opportunity to sit and listen and journal and whatever it might be. And every day for me personally is totally different. And I think when we hold on to that control of the schedule having to be a certain way, we're actually not helping ourselves. We're hurting ourselves. I totally agree. I totally agree. And I think that's that piece where it's like our subconscious believes the story that control is helping us and keeping us safe, but it's the complete opposite. It's actually keeping us from having everything we desire, everything we desire. So can you talk a little bit more about the importance of alone time? Because I think a lot of women feel selfish for this. Like a lot of women feel selfish for needing the time alone. Tell me more. So what does the woman need to hear? Who's like, yeah, I think I need a long time, but like, I got kids, I got work, I've got things. Is it really that important? I think alone time for anybody is important. My son even likes alone time after coming home from school because he's just been processing all day, you, you know? So I think honestly, like you said, the shower is a big place for me. If I've had a big, long, stressful day, I'll be like, I'm tapping out, I'm going in the shower. And that is my place to really like decompress, listen, let that hot water flow over me, let those bad energies or bad experiences run down the drain and away from me forever. I think that it is a very hard thing to do is to take care of our own selves. But if you can allow yourself, even if it's 10 minutes in the car before you pick up the kids or you go into that meeting, I think just having that moment to take a couple big deep breaths and allow yourself to really just relax. So just like we can make ourselves sick by not taking care of ourselves. So I would prefer to allow to have my alone time and be a healthy woman for the rest of my life than to take care of everybody else and get sick at the end of the day, not be able to take care of anybody. Okay. Can we talk about your cards? I want to hear all about your positive intention prayer cards. Where did they start? Where did the idea come from? And then we'll go from there. Cool. I was sitting on my floor of my office, like what am I going to do with my life? What is my purpose? Where am I going? Because I knew there was something so much bigger inside of me that I've always been looking to explore. And so the positive intention prayer cards came to me then. And then COVID hit and I was at home with a three-year-old and a husband and we didn't know what was going to happen in the world. And I was really struggling mentally to keep my mindset in a better place, trying to hold the whole household together at the same time. And I couldn't find, I would Google positive intention prayer cards, positive prayers, like all these things, and I couldn't find it. And so once COVID ended and I really had the opportunity to sit down and write these prayers, it just naturally unfolded so wildly, beautifully. God, you know, God's hand was on all of it. But so there are seven different topics, peace, love, positivity, grief, worthiness, strength, change. And I just added travel to there as well. But they came out like I saw my friends who were so worthy and did not see that for themselves. And so the worthy prayer card I wrote for a couple girlfriends that I was like, you are strong and capable. What do you mean you don't understand? And so that came from that. The grief prayer card I wrote for a girlfriend who had lost her son and I just didn't want her to have to think about a prayer. And so I wrote the prayer for her. They just, you know, I would pray. You would look at, at prayer apps and they would all have like very fearful scarcity words. And I'm like, this isn't how I operate. Like I want to pray with the positive. I don't want to pray with the lack of. And so that, you know, it just came out of this like big, beautiful, why am I not praying with positivity to amplify the greatness? I have to do that. That's where it's more fun anyway. So really it came from 
COVID and struggling and seeing other people struggle and just like, how can I change that? How can I make it better? Mm, so good. So good. We'll make sure that we put links underneath in the show notes so people can check them out because um, it sounds awesome. So how do people use them? What's the, what's the best way for them to use them? So they're actually the size of a credit card. And I did that because I want you to be able to travel with them wherever you go. You could put it next to your bed. You can put it in your wallet. I've had people put them on the back of their phone so they can see it. I made them to travel well. I always carry, do you carry crystals in your back pocket? I always have like something in my I have them somewhere, yes. (laughs) (laughs) I always have a rock in my back pocket. And so I made the cards to fit in your back pocket. So if you're just like really struggling and you need that strength or that peace, you pull that card out of your back pocket and you can remind yourself of that prayer that you said to yourself in the morning before you got out of bed. I use it as part of my morning routine. I go outside with them when I do my morning journaling. It'll be there. So they're very easy and usable anywhere. Oh, that's awesome. So Jenna, is there anything that you that we haven't covered today that you're like, I feel like the woman out there needs to hear this. Is there anything you want to add, a topic you want to dive into that we haven't covered? I mean, can we talk about perspective and how like the older we get, like how great our perspective is. And I think for me, like my story of my pain to purpose at this point in my life, I have such gratitude for because it really crafted me into the person I am today. And I get to like be this light that gets to shine and talk to people about not being alone. And I've struggled. And if I've struggled, your struggles are okay. And we can get through it together. I think it's such an important thing. I think that we're not alone. And we probably all have more of the same issues than we all realize. We're just too fearful to talk about that. And why be fearful about something that's made us the person we are today? Mm, so good. Yeah, I, I went through a divorce a handful of years ago at this point, And it was one of the super, super challenging times. I went through another really tough dark night of the soul around 2020. And at this point, on this side of it, I I don't think that I would be who I am today without both of those experiences. And when you can trust that on the other side of the pain, on the other side of the grief, on the other side of the challenge, that there is light at the end of the tunnel and you just keep going, not only do you feel better, but I feel like it's on that side that you can actually find the gratitude for it. I know sometimes when we're in it, it's really hard to be like, I'm fucking grateful. No, this fucking sucks. Like what, what's happening? Why is this all happening? Versus like, I know and I'm going to trust it's happening for me. It's a big perspective shift that I, that I think is so important. The why is this happening to me versus why is it happening for me or how is it happening for me? But I, I love that thought on perspective. Yes, 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 yes. I've seen it even in some clients where like, they have to make a really hard decision to maybe like leave a relationship or a job. But I always tell them the reward is so much bigger on the other side if you just give yourself that opportunity that you have to. I mean, it's your decision at the end of the day, but I really think you should do it. And then they'll come back six months later and they'll be like, guess what happened? And da, 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 da. and you'll be like, yes, I'm so proud of you. And I'm so like happy for you because there always is out of any hard decision or situation, there can always be such a beautiful reward on the other side. And you just have to like allow it to all happen. Allow, allow, allow. Yeah. So good. Jenna, where can people find you? I am on Instagram and I sell my prayer cards on Etsy. And the handle on both of those is Jenna B Spiritual. So good. We'll make sure that we connect those down in the show notes. And 
Jenna, if you were in an elevator with someone, you have like from floor zero to floor 11, and they were like, how, how do I live my life full out? What do you tell them? I would say you have to find yourself and live with joy and laughter and love and happiness because that's the best version that you can possibly find of yourself. And I do it and it's so much fun. <laughs> Amazing. Jenna, thanks for being here. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining me. If today's podcast inspired you in any way, we would love your support in spreading the word. Please subscribe, rate, and review, and let the other queens in your life know that they are also worthy of living life full out. If you want to continue the conversation, I'd love to connect with you on Instagram or Facebook at Samantha Jo Harvey. Have a fabulous day, and I'll see you next time.